Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So I just want to turn this off. <laughs> okay. Everybody turn off your cell phones. Don't say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm taping two other games, so, uh, so don't tell me anything about basketball. Yeah. Uh, so, um... In, uh, in honor of the fact that uh, this is Earth Day coming up in a couple of days, I wanted to um, have us celebrate the Earth and celebrate Earth Day and um, just focus a bit on our practice and in relationship to the planet. And to... To start, I'm going to do something that hmm, I've never done before. This is a a stretch. Um, As maybe you you know, one of the teachers at Spirit Rock um, is a well-known radio personality, Wes Nisker, uh, otherwise known as Scoop Nisker, uh, who's been an icon uh, in the Bay Area for um, over 40 years, really, since the late 60s. And uh, he does these um, brilliant pieces and goes on the radio from, from time to time uh, and, and shares. And he sent me one the other day on Earth Day, and, uh, and I, which he did on the radio. Has anybody heard it? Anybody heard his his piece? It, it was on today, I think, on KPFA, um, KPFA, which is the Pacifica radio station, and there's a reference to to that in here. So I was going to um, invite him. Uh, he's so brilliant and so good and so funny and so deep. Um, I wanted to invite him to to do it to uh, share his his piece. And he he thought that uh, maybe he could, uh, but his also his partner just came back from a retreat, uh, and so um, he he thought he should be with her. Very prudent uh, of him, actually. Um, he said, "Well, I see if I can swing it, but I, I might not." But he said, "But go ahead, you do it." I said, "Me do it? Do you?" He said, "Yeah, go ahead, you do it." So I'm going to channel Wes Nisker. <laughs> And um, start out with his, he calls it uh, his rant. Um, And it is entitled, uh, Happy Earth Day to You Too. So with apologies to Wes and uh, the earth, um, here goes. Hello, Pacificats. This is Scoop here to sing to everybody everywhere Happy Earth Day to you. 
Happy Earth Day to you. Happy Earth Day to you. Happy Earth Day, dear everybody. Regardless of kingdom, phyla, class, order, family, genus, or species, and regardless of the color of skin, fur, feathers, scales, leaves, or bark, happy Earth Day to you. And this is Scoop here with the real nitty-gritty and the lowdown. And yes, friends, the Earth gave birth to every one of us, the microbes and the macrobes, the ferns, the frogs, the fish, the four-leggeds, you and me, and we are all together. And Earth Day is everybody's Mother's Day. And Mother Earth does continue to suckle us all with air and water, food and shelter. And even though we are spinning through space at many thousands of miles an hour, we don't even have to hold on because the Earth is holding on to us with her strong arms of gravity. She is our protector, our spaceship, our rock of ages. But we humans seem to be out of touch with our Mother And maybe that's because we stood upright, which lifted our heads too far from the ground, fostering the belief that we are above it all. (laughs) Meanwhile, our major religions have come to regard the earth as just a training planet, a place where you come to learn some lessons or burn off some karma, and then you go off to your true home somewhere else. But those beliefs are dysfunctional because they take our reverence away from the earth and remove humans from the great web of life. So on this Earth Day, we want to give a big shout-out to Uncle Charlie Darwin, who started to spin us a new story about who we are and where we came from. And as Sir Charles wrote in the last paragraph of his book, The Origin of Species, quote, There is a, a simple grandeur in this view of life in which endless forms, most beautiful and wonderful, have been evolved. And that includes you and me, beautiful and wonderful earthlings, born out of the three and a half billion year old drama of life on this planet, a story that contains as much awe and wonder as any Bible. To paraphrase cosmologist Brian Swim, only four billion years ago the earth was a ball of molten rock, and now it can play the guitar. So here we are on Earth Day 2017, playing music in the Holocene, my scene, and your scene, living through a nice interglacial period. But when people say it's a beautiful day, there's a growing menace that comes with those words. And yes, the biohazards are now in the house with temperatures rising faster than expected, oceans polluted, species going extinct, Just so much trouble everywhere that the very word ecology can make you scream, ecology. (laughs) And what is required of us if we're going to heal the mess we've been making is not just recycling and driving hybrid cars. It's about a change in consciousness. It's about embracing the story of evolution as our new creation myth and then making ritual around it, singing and dancing it bringing it alive in the corridors of our psyche and the marrow of our bones. Speaking of bones, my earthling friends, our bones are made out of phosphates, silicates, carbon, the actual clay of earth molded into this human shape. And most of our bodies are liquid, and most of that liquid has the chemical consistency of the oceans. We literally sweat and cry seawater. We are not only 
on the earth. We are of the earth, made of all natural earth ingredients. We are certified organic. And in the story of evolution, we find that we are related to every being that ever lived through the miracle molecule of DNA, which carry the instruction manual for every form of life on this planet. So we are all cell brothers and cell sisters. Can you dig it? And there's a t-shirt from the UC Santa Cruz Biology Department that reads, you share 25% of your DNA with bananas. Get over yourself. (laughs) Yes, and the good news is that once we start to see ourselves in the story of evolution, we will find reason for hope. First of all, we see that nature is one tough mother and that life on earth has so far survived comet collisions, continents bumping into one another, ice ages, the plague, and even Donald Trump so far. So there is reason for optimism. I also find hope by remembering that the word ecology has only been in common use for about 40 years or so, and that the first UN conference on the environment only took place in 1970, a blink of an eye in the biological time frame. We are just now waking up to our impact on the life of the planet and just now learning how we have to change our story and our way of being and our way of living. It turns out that what the earth needs most from humans right now is a few years of negative economic growth. From the perspective of Mother Nature, we don't need a stimulus package. We need a sedative package. Homo sapiens could use a little downtime, giving our hearts and minds a chance to catch up with our brilliant tool-making ability. So I ask you on this coming Earth Day to take a vow that you will do something more to help heal and protect your mother. As an American on Earth Day, you could try consuming about a third less of everything you normally consume. Or you could go picket in front of the oil company of your choice. Or go out into the ocean and take a swim in the primal amniotic fluid. And while you're out there, maybe tie yourself to an endangered coral reef. Or play some soothing music for the fish that must be very confused lately due to the changing temperature of the ocean water. No matter what you choose to do, at some point in your Earth Day celebration or your any day Earth celebration, take off your shoes and dance on the ground, touching your mother's skin to skin, or just lay down flat, ignore your inner cynic, and give your mama a great big hug. As always, she will kiss you and forgive you and welcome you home. And this is Scoop saying... All praises to the earth, long may she spin. And as always, if you don't like the news, go out and make some of your own. If you aren't familiar with, uh, with Wes, that's the, a famous uh, sign-off line that he always signs. If you don't like the... Mm. I don't know why it touches me. If you don't like the news... Go out and make some of your own. So here we are at this very mm, 
interesting, poignant, intense moment with incredible possibilities. Possibilities that can go any which way from mass self-destruction to a deep awakening of the species. We're just right on that, that juncture because as I've said here before a number of times, here we are on a, in a race between fear and greed and hatred and othering and consciousness and love and caring and connection coming together of many hearts who want to make a difference in this world. Such an interesting time. Do you ever reflect on that in all of human history? You know, I guess whenever you are in wherever you were in human history, it was the forward edge of human history, clearly. But the ante is so much bigger now. And when you think of three and a half or four billion years coming to this moment where what humans do has a greater impact than ever before on the planet, um, that is both um, um, awesome, frightening, and an incredible um, responsibility, as I like to quote Julia Butterfly Hill, um, when we can rise to the occasion, it's a, it becomes a joyful responsibility that we can make a difference in this planet for this amazing earth and for all the all the living beings in the earth, we can make a difference. We are making a difference one way or another, but we can truly make a difference. And it seems to me, as I've said many times, that um, coming from Fear and anxiety and, uh, and, and despair, although those are not only understandable, but um, uh, natural re- reactions, um, if that is the source of our activity, uh, there's a contracted heart that's, um, that's putting out just a bit more fear into the world. Now, you look at the, at the situation and you look at the science and there is a lot to be discouraged and frightened by. So there's no getting around it and just 
pasting a smile on your face and saying, oh, everything is going to be okay. But if that's where you are, if that's the source of your activity, um, it has a limited and uh, uh, not so sustainable energy. And it certainly um, doesn't attract more others who say, yes, I want to, I want to come from that same place. But if we can connect with how amazing this planet is and how magnificent and how generously it treats us, it is our mother and we come from love and we come from caring and we come from commitment to say, yes, I want to make a difference. I'll do my part. Not that you can do it all. It's too much to think that you, it's up to you to save the world. But if you do your part and come from love and come from just feeling it's the right thing to do. And if I, if I don't do something to express my love or caring for the earth, then um, I've, I've missed an opportunity to express my, my love and my caring in a very profound way. And uh, whatever happens, looking back, just knowing that you've done the best you can and coming from that open-hearted place, when you come from that place, it's so much more magnetizing. It's so much more inviting for others to, to join. This is uh, uh, Wes quoted Brian Swim in, uh, in that piece, the one who said uh, uh, four billion years uh, from molten rock and now the earth can play the guitar. Um, and he was, uh, he was quoting uh, a real hero of mine who wrote um, an amazing um, book. This is, this is quite some time uh, ago that this book came out. It's called The Universe is a Green Dragon. And what uh, Brian, Sw- Brian Swim is both a, a cosmologist, a scientist, um, uh, an, an astronomy expert and uh, a consciousness teacher and theologian, and uh, he studied with a great theologian, Thomas Berry, uh, and he's since come out with a number of uh, amazing, beautiful works. But I love this book, "The Universe Is a Green Dragon," which really had a profound effect on me. Um, and this is—he uh, writes in this very. Um, um, the spirit of wonder, uh, and and it's done as a dialogue between uh, the wise one Thomas, his teacher, and a youth learning about the universe. And he says, um, among other things, the ground of being in this on this amazing planet in this universe, but on this earth, the ground of being is generosity. 
the ultimate source of all that is, the support and well of being, is ultimate generosity, capital U, capital G. All being comes forth and shines, glimmers and glistens, because the root reality of the universe is generosity of being. That's why the ground of being is empty. You know, we talk about emptiness, you know, coming out of, out of the void or out of, out of nothing into form. The ground of being is empty because everything has been given over to the universe. All existence has been poured forth. All being has gushed forth because ultimate generosity retains no thing. Mm-hmm. It was out of the dynamic of cosmic celebration that we were created in the first place. We are to become celebration and generosity, burst into self-awareness. What is the human? The human is a space, an opening, where the universe celebrates its existence. And he, he goes on to, he says so many beautiful things in this book. He, he talks about how um, one way you can think of us, uh, we are a star's way of knowing itself. We've come into form from these atoms and molecules and and somehow life has been created all from this stuff and having consciousness we are the instrument of life to know itself so we are as he says a star's way of knowing itself what an amazing both gift and um, responsibility. He talks about, um, I'll mention while I think about it, uh, a few other things. He talks about some basic principles of the universe. One of them he, uh, he calls, um, uh, one force he calls, the, the force of allurement that um, within the universe that everything, one of the forces is everything is attracted to everything else. Um, like in the center of an atom, nucle- uh, the nucleus, the protons and neut- neutrons are attracted to each other and that they, those atoms come together as molecules and those molecules come together as as cells and tissue and stuff and everything and then on the bigger in the bigger picture that allurement is gravity holding us here or holding the solar system in place that there is this attraction and this is a natural force that is through throughout all of life or inorganic and organic and in humans this quality of allurement is what we call love is what we call interest uh, allurement it starts as interest i remember he, 
uh, he says, you know, the amazing thing is that we're interested in anything. It didn't have to be that way. You know, we could just all be going about our own business uh, like ants doing our, their job. Um, who knows what a consciousness of an ant is? I don't want to presume to, uh, you know, to, to know that. But, for, but we are interested in things. Isn't it so? We love to learn. And that interest, when there's a kind of true uh, connection, becomes love, becomes the sense of, oh, I know you. Oh, I enjoy being with you. Oh, I care about. This is life just expressing itself through through our form and our species. And if we lose connection to that quality of, of allurement, of love, of caring, um, not only do we suffer, but the earth suffers. So this is a time to really just get in touch with how much you care. You know? And often we don't care about things so much until we're about to lose them. And we say, oh, wow, wait. Uh, and this is, this is where I wanted to share a bit about uh, the Dharma. And sometimes I, I wrote an article a while ago, Calling All Eco-Sattvas, um, where the Dharma really isn't just a nice thing to apply to this, that the Dharma, uh, as my friend Bob Doppelt said, the Dharma holds the key. I, I think I've mentioned this here before. I, I, I've mentioned, uh, I just did this uh, three-day um, retreat at Spirit Rock with my friend Bob. Um, who um, is a long-time uh, meditator, practitioner, and also one of the the key figures that um, that can uh, that kept the Obama administration on point around climate change, and he coordinated uh, a, a consortium of eighteen um, e- uh, environmental groups, uh, and he was in the position of of keeping it all moving along and focused, um, and um, an, an incredibly inspiring, beautiful guy. It was great just doing that three-day retreat with him recently. Um, and uh, and he, there he was uh, sharing with me, he wrote a beautiful book called From Me to We about the five principles in these teachings that are um, necessary for a shift in consciousness. And I said to him at one point, uh, Bob, it's so, uh, it's so interesting, it's so amazing that your, your spiritual life and your environmental life have come together and, and, your, uh, and somehow you've woven them together. How wonderful. And he said, uh, James, the Dharma holds the key to this. The Dharma holds, and when I say Dharma, the um, consciousness, whether you think of it as Buddhist consciousness or 
consciousness holds the key, but certain uh, Buddhist principles are really at the heart of a shift in consciousness. Um, And so, uh, and when he said that, I said, I want you to be speaking to all the the teachers in the the Vipassana community and have them hear the Dharma holds the key, um, which has been very inspiring to me. And he, um, he, as well as uh, some others in, in the last few years, have helped me see just the key place of, of these teachings in this race um, of consciousness overcoming fear. And I thought I'd just spend a little time with, um, with that. First of all, as you well know, if you've done any practice, uh, the underlying reality that the Buddha said, keep looking at over and over, is impermanence, anicca, that things change. This is the one thing you can be sure of, that things change. Now, sometimes that can be a little bit disconcerting, especially when you don't want things to change. Or you're thinking, oh, that means I have to lose this and let go of this. And, uh, and, and there's nothing to hold on to. Uh, which, is, which is true. You have to learn how to let go. But the other side of it is that um, there's always new possibility. So one aspect of change that it, I think is good to keep in mind is that um, humans can change. And humans can actually wake up from their ignorance, as far-fetched as that might sound sometimes, that we are an evolving and changing species. And we have self-preservation as, as our main goal, even though it doesn't seem that way. And we can be in our, in our ivory tower and in our, um, uh, as uh, the Buddha has this image, uh, he says that uh, most, most people are like um, children playing with toys in, in the attic, not realizing that the house is on fire. He uses that as an image uh, for seeing, wake up, use this as a time to wake up. He wasn't talking about climate change. He was talking about you know, using this precious human life for more than just kicking back, taking it easy, that this is an incredible opportunity. Don't waste it. And in some ways, that analogy is all too um, uh, appropriate now as well. We're like children playing in the attic, uh, not realizing the house is on fire, except where more and more we've been smelling the smoke and we're starting to uh, wake up at a pretty amazing rate. So that's the other side besides all of the 
movement towards destruction, we've never been as conscious a species before. We've never had information at everyone's fingertips and in an instant somebody can put out a piece of information and it can travel throughout the the globe and have um, thousands and thousands and millions of people um, aligned in a particular idea, aligned in caring. So this is an incredibly poignant and rich time. But we can wake up because we, are, we want to preserve our species. That's the main thing that we're going to be faced with. And we can wake up individually and culturally. And as we see how quickly, I've mentioned this before, how quickly things can change in our cultural thinking, whether it's same-sex marriage or uh, uh, domestic violence or all kinds of things that were kind of hidden under the rug or um, mm, sexual harassment. That's been an interesting one to see in the, the last few days here. How things are no longer okay that used to be okay. And they can change very, very quickly after it seems like a long time of nothing happening and then conventional wisdom changes things. I I remember reading this study. I think it was Stanford that did it. I've tried to find the the, um, reference to this study, but I remember and it struck me very deeply many years ago that most people... um, You don't need to have everybody convinced to see things a new way for there to be a paradigm shift. That actually what's needed is about 7% of the population for there to be a paradigm shift of changing their view from one way of looking at things to another way of looking at things. Because most people are just kind of sitting there saying, tell me what am I supposed to think and they'll just get certain information and you know okay but when it's like all of a sudden oh this is not okay anymore then there's a a very big shift and there have been these cultural shifts and change as I said is possible not only is change possible it's inevitable and so there is this, this feeling of um, understandable um, discouragement or despair. Well, will humanity wake up? Many people wonder. And the way I see it is we will wake up. We are in the process of waking up. And we will wake up sooner or later, sometimes I think of of if if a, a first world city goes underwater, that that will wake 
wake up in a whole other way than, oh yes, gee, that's too bad that that happened in Pakistan uh, on the other side of the world. But we will wake up sooner or later. We've got to, or we, it, it's, it's, it's inevitable. So the way I see it, as long as we're going to wake up sooner or later, you might as well do everything you can to make it up on the earlier side than the later side. Um, one thing that, uh, and so it's like, why throw in the towel when, if it's sooner, makes such a difference? And when I was teaching with Bob, it was, people asked, asked him, uh, well, how do you, um, you know, what do you, what do you deal with your discouragement or despair, you know? Is it too late? That's basically that what he was he was asked. And I, I want to report to you that what he said was there's no doubt that there's going to be some major suffering. It's, we're past the point where there's not going to be a consequence for where we are. However, it's still possible in time to reverse some of much of what's what's uh, happening and i was pleasantly surprised you know it's scary because when the ice caps melting and that that there's some inevitable tripping points but he said it's not too late and so why not do everything we can there's going to it's going to be tough and there's going to be suffering, but it's reversible, at least to a large extent, where we are now. So um, suffering wakes us up. That's how it works. And when there's a, a shared vision, and when we're holding hands, as I've said before, those studies that say when you're holding hands together, there is... Um, what Mandela called a multiplicity of courage, and are, there's a, a, a kind of um, synergy that, that happens that, um, that is very magnetizing. Um, and I, I'll, I'll mention a, a couple of things that you've heard me say before, or if you've been here a while, but I'll say them again. That uh, One is that Toynbee prophecy, Arnold Toynbee, the great historian, who, uh, 20th century historian, who said that um, he thought that looking back on the 20th century, uh, the, he thought that perhaps the most significant development will, be, will have been uh, Buddhism coming to the West. And it didn't look like when he said this. This was in the uh, towards the end of the 20th century. Uh, it didn't. It didn't look like you know. Well, what's that about? Um, but when you think about a race between fear and consciousness, and seeing things through uh, uh, through the lens that the teachings show, it makes complete sense. And so. I'll just share with you the, the, the five principles that, um, 
that Bob mentions in his, in his book, From Me to We, um, that will be um, required for a shift of consciousness. So one principle is just understanding the interconnectedness of all of life. Which is so obvious if you're, you know, if you look at all, it's just this incredibly fine balance, this delicate balance that you, something gets removed and uh, the whole uh, ecosystem can, uh, can change. Um, I'm looking for... is a John Muir quote here someplace. Yeah, John Muir, the great conservationist, said, when we try to pick out anything by itself, we find it hitched to everything else in the universe. And just to, to see the interconnectedness and really understand what, we do makes a difference. Um, although it's so obvious to many, it's not obvious to many more who think, think of the earth as just our, it's there for our pleasure. Um, so this is the, the first principle, seeing that we are part of this big system this system of interconnectedness and what we do matters. Second principle is karma, that actions have consequences. Can you argue with that? What ye sow, so shall ye reap. What goes around comes around. Actions have consequences, which is both... um, uh, a kind of um, wake-up sobering thought and also an inspiring thought. Oh, what I do matters and I can, I can act for the good. So seeing karma cause and effect. A third basic Buddhist principle, not just uh, uh, exclusive to Buddhism, of course. It's in every world religion but just the importance of uh, acting with care and integrity that causing harm um, is going to be um, going against the natural harmony of life and there's a consequence internally and externally. So just leading an ethical life of non-harming Third principle. Fourth principle, fourth Dharma principle uh, that Bob writes about is um, what he calls trusteeship. In in his book, by the way, he he doesn't have any Buddhist jargon in there. He purposely just kind of, you know, keeps it undercover. Stealth Dharma, as I like to call it. Uh, But trusteeship is really um, compassion, another way of saying compassion, that we, we have a responsibility to respond to um, 
the suffering around us with, with real care. Uh, and then the, the fifth principle, Dharma principle, he, he says, uh, uh, you, you can choose your destiny, which is another way of talking of intention. That when you have a vision and an intention, then um, that sets you on the course of a powerful uh, direction. Um, so with all of these basic Dharma principles, the more we can embody the Dharma and come from that joyful responsibility, um, the, m- the more the earth benefits, the more we're, we're truly serving the earth. Um, and as um, Angelus Arian says, action absorbs anxiety. So if you're feeling like you're, you get anxious about how things are, the more you put it, put it into motion, do anything, go to your, the, the march or go to a workshop or uh, just doing anything in the spirit of, oh, this is coming out of metta, this is coming out of loving the earth, uh, that is harnessing that, um, uh, that agitation in a, in a powerful way. And you're going to experience what Joanna Macy calls active hope, identifying the outcome you might hope for and then playing your part in bringing it about, focusing on what you deeply long for and then proceeding to take determined steps in that direction, becoming an active participant in bringing about what you hope for. So, uh, just to close, I invite you to um, close your eyes for a moment. And just know that each of us has our gifts. We have our gifts to give to the world. That's where our real happiness and well-being and joy comes from. And just get a sense first of whatever degree that you appreciate and love this earth, just first tuning into how amazing it is that this planet is so generous with us. maybe getting in touch with your um, appreciation and love and gratitude for this planet, for our home. And to whatever extent, how much you care about supporting it, not out of fear, but out of gratitude and generosity.
And then getting a sense of how your practice, your spiritual practice, or your uh, your care, your your departed concern, and your wisdom can be expressed in wise action that nur- that's nourishing for you. that magnetizes just because it feels good to do it. You might envision what for you is the right way or the, the nourishing way to express your caring. Don't worry about saving the planet all by yourself. Just what can you do that expresses your love and caring for this planet? And perhaps plant the seed to that much more come from a place of of commitment. So your care and compassion is a verb. And see it as, as your contribution that will inspire others to get in touch with their deep-seated caring. And then blessing the earth May, may you feel the love and the caring and the um, gratitude of all these beings on the planet that benefit from you. And may we all um, wake up sooner rather than later uh, to make a difference and express our appreciation with in wise ways happy earth day to you earth so um we have a just a few minutes if there's uh before we end any uh if anybody has any comment or anything that you want to say before we we close we'll we'll be going in just a moment so if you can stay that would be appreciated anything going once going twice Just a simple comment to say I was moved by the meditation and um, by the exercise in attempting to put ourselves in that empathic and acting place. And I think you've given me something to think about for the next... You've given me something to think about for the next week in a deep place. Mm. Great. Thank you.
Anything else? Anything else? Okay. All right. Thanks, Don. So, um, Earth Day coming up. I really encourage you to find something that uh, that opens your heart and connects you with the earth and uh, do it from joy. Don't do it from guilt or fear. Just do it from uh, joy and gratitude. <clears throat> yes? No, 20th century. Yes, Toynbee lived in the, in the 20th century and he said he thought that perhaps the most significant development in the 20th century will have been, looking back, Buddhism coming to the West. Because it did come to the West in the, you know, it really took, uh, uh, took hold in the West in, uh, in the 20th century. So, yeah. So, okay, we can uh, close with a, a short loving kindness. For a moment, appreciate yourself coming here and sharing some quiet in the evening with others. May, may I see through my fears and share my love well and wake up to my true nature. May all beings um, see through their confusion and let their caring and goodness shine. And may our coming here together uh, be of benefit to all beings in the world and especially to um, our wonderful home, planet Earth. Thank you very much for your attention. Um, Happy Earth Day. (laughs) Be well. See you next week.